Undeceptions podcast. Thirty percent of Australians live alone. There's a deep loneliness in our culture at the very time that we're saying that self-expression, you do you, is the path to authenticity. Imagine a DeLorean time machine car appears outside your house this year and you get in and you're told that you're going to 2052 to see what the future looks like. You arrive and you see what it actually looks like 30 years from now. Do you want that future? What would you do to get there or to get away from that future? That's what we're going to find out. How about this? This is a tale of near tragedy, at least for my household plants. A while back I was feeding my plants, I'd had to give them a good water and feed them before I went away on a trip, and I took the bottle of feed out of the cupboard and sprayed every plant, until I looked at the bottle after I'd done most of them and realised that I was feeding them with weed killer, which was a general purpose one which was going to kill the plants. My heart started to race. It was absolutely terrifying. I looked at my wife working in the other room, oblivious to the massacre I had just begun, and thought, what am I going to say? And I thought, the first thing I could do is lie. Uh, I thought, better not lie. The second thing I thought I could do was go on the witness relocation program and then phone her from there. Uh, And the other thing I could do was tell her. So that's what I did. I walked straight in and said, you're not going to believe this. I have mistakenly fed poison into the root system of every plant we have. She was teary. She had illustrations about how the plants were a metaphor for our life. But once we got over that, we went down to Bunnings and I bought 10 bags of potting mix. I took every plant out of the house. I washed every bit of soil off every plant, threw out all the soil into the bin and put new soil in and repotted them, watered them and waited. So far, so good. What I thought was feeding and nourishing the plants in the beginning was killing them. But I managed to avert a tragedy, not just for the plants, of course, but for myself. Now imagine if we made that same mistake where we, in our society, were giving the roots of our system something that we thought was doing it good and making it flourish, but was actually doing the opposite. What if we were slowly poisoning who we are in society today when we think we're helping ourselves flourish? Can I suggest that's exactly what we're doing? Now, it's an honest mistake born from a desire to see us do well, but it's a mistake nonetheless. And the other thing, it's a residual problem. Like poison in soil, it will continue to result in a fading and failing culture over time. And we're living under this false assumption, this is the real issue, that the true path to human flourishing is individual self-expression. That the true path to how we could do well as a society is to look after number one, to do the You Do You campaign. Western society is committed to a program of feeding us root and branch with a spiritual and social form of glyphosate. And guess what? It's killing us.
So where's this all going? As I said, it feels like we're trying to do something to our culture to enable us to do well, and it's doing exactly the opposite. And you can look around at some of the cultural phenomena of the day, and you can see exactly that. The recent Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial, remember that? It felt like watching a slow-motion train crash. It was watched in our house, purely for research purposes, of course. But what was interesting was the number of people that were trolling Amber Heard. The internet really turned on her. And to be honest, as you listen to the trial, it was a pretty sordid tale between a fairly sordid couple. But he was the hall pass for her life. She was being authentic. She was being the person she should be, no matter what she did. And so was Johnny. It seems that more people have sided with him for probably celebrity reasons. But here were two people trying to be the most authentic they could in their lives and they were tearing each other apart. In fact, Amber Heard herself couldn't understand why people were so concerned that she was doing this. She said, I'm just being my authentic self. That's a very extreme example, and there are others. I remember a famous British TV breakfast announcer, Philip Schofield, who announced on TV that he was leaving his wife and daughters for another man. It was announced on TV and social media talked about how especially authentic he was being. He's now being his most authentic self. The key, of course, is that no one was really asking his wife or his daughters whether they thought that he was being authentic or what authenticity in relationships would look like for them. It feels like the default position was that you must do what you want to do and that's what authenticity looks like. And perhaps a more mundane example of someone I know who was a running friend who left his wife and his kids and seemed a loving, kind man and suddenly pops up on social media a couple of years later with someone new. And he said this, I've had the unexpected privilege to meet someone who's going on a fantastic adventure with me. But other people aren't going on that adventure. <laughs> the self-expression project just exhibits itself in many ways. And we think it's leading to our flourishing. But my concern is that perhaps we are unwittingly spraying ourselves with spiritual glyphosate, and perhaps not unwittingly at all, given the high levels of anxiety in our culture at the moment. We have all the freedom to do what we want, but anxiety is at record levels in our Western culture, and that just doesn't look like flourishing to me. In this age of authenticity, Something like Christianity is coming up short for many people. Christianity is a bit on the nose for some people. If we could just get rid of the old ways, the old traditions, the old things that bound us, it would be better for the sake of society. And it's a big challenge. And it's especially a big challenge because the gospel message of Jesus runs counter to the self-expression narrative of our day. Jesus' message was never express yourself. Uh, see if you can pick what he says from these words. Here's a passage in one of the gospel accounts of Jesus. He speaks to his followers in the gospel of Luke, and he says this, If anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a person if they gain the whole world and lose or forfeit themselves. So rather than self-expression being the key to a flourishing life, Jesus is saying that self-denial is. If you lose your life, you will gain it. 
But notice he's not saying if you lose your life, you'll just be a grumpy stoic sitting in the corner being sad about life. He says there's a great trade-off. If you deny yourself, you will ultimately save yourself. If you lose your life, you will gain everything. In a sense, it's the equal and opposite paradox of my glyphosate on my plants. You feed it death and it gets life. You feed it loss and it gets gain. Yet that's the outrageous claim of Jesus. Self-expression does not lead to our fulfillment. Self-denial will. Of course, you wouldn't need to look to Jesus simply to find that out. If you go and look at the mental health issues affecting our culture at the moment, in the Western world, we are the safest, richest place in history, but the levels of worry and anxiety and depression and broken relationships is definitely on the rise. Even in the UK, there's a ministry in the government set up to counter loneliness. People are lonely. This whole self-expression idea doesn't bear the fruit that many people think it does. 30% of Australians live alone. There's a deep loneliness in our culture at the very time that we're saying that self-expression, you do you, is the path to authenticity. The Christian message in the Bible is not about making life terrible. It's not about suppressing you and making you wither. It is actually about making you flourish. If you go back to the plants, you think back to the Garden of Eden story at the beginning of the Bible where it's plants everywhere, right? But God wasn't churlish or mean-spirited. He wasn't trying to shut humans down. Every tree was available to every human except one. It was a world of a million yeses and only one no. And the human response to that in the story of the Bible was, I want that anyway. It was unfettered self-fulfillment. And that trickle in the story of the Bible and the story of humanity rises to a flood. What happens when your desire for authenticity clashes with the desire for authenticity of someone else? So what can we do about this? The first thing, I think, is to admit it. Admit to ourselves that the full-blown desire for self-expression is not really the true path to flourishing and freedom that perhaps the advertising campaigns tell us it is. The drive for self-expression always comes at a cost. There are personal costs, there are societal costs, there are relational costs, and there are spiritual costs. Unfettered self-expression is glyphosate all the way down. The Bible even says this, that there's a way that seems right to a person but the end of that is death. Note that the end is, not the beginning. You can start things very successfully, but you have to see where the trajectory goes. Don't mistake the weed for the feed. And I say this because where I live in Perth, it's very easy to self-express, and there are many rewards for doing so. There seems even to be little risk, even for breaking a marriage or a long-term relationship. And religion is seen as an anchor dragging you down, stopping you from being your authentic self. Perhaps it's time we started to ask ourselves, what is the cost of my self-expression to someone else? I think communities that get together and talk about these things are much healthier places to be. And ironically, church communities are seen as places where we deny ourselves for the sake of others, the community itself operates better. 
Jesus says, say no to the tree of death and say yes to the tree of life. Perhaps it's worth exploring the words of Jesus again when he talks about these issues, when he shows in his very life that he self-denied. It led him to the cross. He went as low as he could because he put his self-interest aside for the sake of others. What would our society look like if we started to have other person interest rather than just our own? Would some of those other issues start to melt away and we could see true human flourishing as we take a big risk and we serve others, confident that others are in turn going to serve us as well together? I'd love to see that in our society. I think that would remove the spiritual glyphosate from the roots of our society and we'd start to really know what it means to flourish as human beings. Podcast.